listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Along with JP, Giselle, and Kyrie, we're here until midnight. Then the Sports Center all night on 98.7 ESPN. We've got a 60-game baseball season. And people are now starting to get a little excited, right? Starting to to have a conversation. Yes, I know there are many of you who are like, are we really going to play? You have some more people who have uh, contracted the COVID-19 virus. Some five people and members of the Philadelphia Philly staff earlier in the week. Now in Colorado, you've got some folks. So obviously that is in the back of your mind. But locally, I'm just really, really curious. And I touched on it last night before we talked a lot of Knicks. And I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter. At Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. And the Twitter poll question is very simple. Which local team does the 60-game schedule benefit the most? Is it the Mets or is it the Yankees? You can weigh in on Twitter, and when you call me, I want to know why you choose who you choose. Now, look, when you look at what the Yankees have been able to do, and you look at their depth, and you look at their bullpen, and you look at their starting rotation boosted by Garrett Cole, obviously, you would say they're in pretty good shape, right? All the injured parties are back. They're ready to go. So when you were saying in the beginning, oh, man, the injuries again. Oh, what's going to happen? James Paxson. Oh, we don't have him. He's been throwing in an empty facility. He's ready to go. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, we don't have. We're we, 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 we just missing players. It's just like last season. No, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. Ready to go. The only person that you might be a little concerned about would be Aaron Judge because we still don't know what's going on with that rip, right? We still are concerned. We still don't know. There's still questions. As a matter of fact, there's so many questions, nobody's answering. (laughs) Nobody's saying a thing about Aaron Judge, but I am sure he will be available. Giancarlo Stanton, remember the calf strain? Oh, is he going to be ready for opening day? Here we go again with him, more injuries. All these folks are ready to go. As a matter of fact, you're going to have more questions again. Can Clint Frazier get a chance to play? Is Gleyber Torres going to be good at shortstop now that, you know, now that there's been a change there? You know, uh, so there's so many different things that are going on with this Yankee team. But the main reason, if you're a Yankee fan, that you are so confident is, yes, your starting pitching is pretty good. No question about it. But your bullpen is even better. And when you look at the mad dash of the amount of games and the amount of days that you're going to have and how imperative it is to get off to a quick, fast start and understanding that your starters are not going to be able to give you length quickly. I mean, I would think it would take at least two, three starts Maybe for you to get some length out of your starters and each of your starters is going to make what? Maybe 10 starts. Maybe 
60 games, maybe each start of 10 starts, possibly. And on one of the days, you figure with Cole, most of your bullpen's going to get a rest because he's a strong, he's your ace. He's the horse. He can go seven, eight innings. Matsuhiro Tanaka is a guy who can also go seven, eight innings if he has to. So, so as a Yankee fan, you're in the good shape. Offensively, you'll figure it out. You got a number of great players who are due to have some big years. So I think offensively, you'll be good to go. Who's going to be the DH? Look, it's going to be Stanton. You'll mix and match. That's what Aaron Boone will do. He'll give some guys rest, some guys days off. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the, in the extra innings who, who starts at second and all this other, all these other shenanigans that this, uh, 60 game season is going to begin with. But if you're a Yankee fan, you're feeling pretty good. And guess what? If things don't work out, you got a trade deadline on August 31st. You can pick up somebody like the Yankees always do, right? For me, the interesting situation is with the Mets. And I kind of touched on it last night. And look, for me, is the bullpen improved? Potentially, yes. Is it definitely better? I really don't know. It looks better on paper. Would I feel better if Noah Syndergaard was able to pitch this year in this shortened 60-game sprint and I would have a really solid starting rotation? Yes, I would. I would feel better. There's no question about it. But uh, considering that, you know, I, I still have Jacob deGrom, who has been arguably the best pitcher in baseball the past two years, evidenced by Cy Young in the National League. But, you know, he's going to have a lot of American League teams he's going to face this year too. So that will be a good test. I think offensively they are better this year. Obviously, Pete Alonso is your first baseman. And then you've got some interesting folks that you can weigh in at DH. We talked about you in the Cespedes last night. But there's some other folks who also talked about, you know, Robinson Cano. But for me, the interesting thing is going to be, will this team be a little better defensively? And that's going to be the key thing. Obviously, Jeff McNeil, we know that he can play all over the place. But he settled in at third. He was the opening day third baseman. And I think he will be, he will stay at third base this season. For me, lock him into one position. Let's leave him there. I don't want him running, chasing down balls in right field. I don't want that. I don't want him going to the wall and left. Don't want it. Lock him in at third. If Okay, if you want to give Cano a day off or two, you want to put him in second, fine. Don't let him leave the infield. That's just me. Just me. Brandon Nimmo, we'll see what he's what he's able to do, how his availability is going to be. Okay, we know that they picked up uh, Jake Marisnik. Uh, who used to be an Astro. He's pretty good in the outfield, gives you some defense. So I like what this team is about. The interesting pitcher for me in the starting rotation is going to be Marcus Stroman. And it could be a big push and a plus because he's going to face some teams that he's very familiar with in the American League. And the American League are going to see some teams, going to see him, and they're very familiar with him. So it's going to be interesting in how he handles those battles. But here's a guy who 
is entering the free agent market next year. And nobody knows what the free agent market's going to look like. As a matter of fact, I think it's not going to be great. The money that obviously he would have gotten had you not had this shortened season and obviously with the situation with COVID-19, here's a guy that if it's, if it's a regular season, you're looking at a guy who's done a nice job. He would be making 30 to 32 starts. As I mentioned, he might get 10, maybe 11. So how he performs is going to be extremely important, not only for the Mets, but for him and how he's able to turn that into a serious situation next year where he can make, you know, some money. And for him, you know, listen, that's what players are focused on. A lot of the opportunity in free agent to better yourself and better yourself with a different team. So I know I said last night that the Mets normally get off the strong starts. And then you look over the past couple of years and the starts have not been great, but it's funny because look, the past three years, 27, 33, 27, 33, 28 and 32 through 60 games. All right. And in 2017, what they had a, no, nope. It was 11 and one start in 2018. So, Normally, they do get off to a quick start and then somehow something happens. So maybe after the first 10, 11 games, you know, they seem to play very well after the first 10, 11 games, something happens. Either it's an injury, it's a bad loss, or something just turns them and flips the season and they find themselves trying to recover, trying to get back up. I don't think that happens this year. So I think actually the shortened season Helps the Mets a lot. The Yankees are set. Okay, they're good. Bullpen, all that stuff, yes. I think it helps the Mets only because it allows them, I think, offensively to get going and to hold on. But for me, my I'm very concerned. <laughs> I'm very concerned about... The bullpen still should be better. Should be better. I think Dylan Batances will be a big addition. Edwin Diaz, eh, I got to see. Seth Lugo, I'm impressed with, but the issue with him, unless his elbow's gotten better, is you can't use him back-to-back days. So that's a concern. Justin Wilson, up and down last year. Javis Familia, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I have all these stories. He lost weight. He did this. We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And all you guys are sitting on the dock of the bay waiting for baseball. Well, you got, as a matter of fact, potentially the end of July will really perk things up, right? Major League Baseball, ready to come back, end of July. NBA, ready to come back, end of July. NHL, ready to come back, end of July. MLS, ready to come back, near the end of July. You're starting to see your team sports potentially come back. But off to the side, (laughs) just peeking in, is the COVID-19 virus. Very serious, very serious, still 
in a lot of the cities and states that reopened kind of quick, they're seeing huge amounts, numbers moving up. And it's a scary situation. It is. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Mo is in Queens. Mo, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Uh, what's up, Larry? Big fan, man. Thank you, Mo. What's happening, my friend? Uh, I called you like two weeks ago when you said what sport will come out, come back first. And I said uh, baseball will come back first because how Korean baseball is acting. But besides the point, I think the Mets are better in a 60-game se- season than the Yankees, especially having Cespedes in the DH. I don't believe in that Robbie Cano should be played DH. Just because play, he plays so nonchalant and looks like he's <laughs> doing it with no effort, they say he plays no defense. But realistically, he plays really good defense second base. You leave McNeil out there. But, Larry, please tell me, I'll let you go on this. One through four, McNeil. You got uh, Alonzo. You got uh, Cano. And you got Cespedes. That's a hard four to get out. Thank you, Larry. Have a good night. Thanks, Mo. Thanks for the phone call. It is. Potentially, it is. And you hope that Cespedes can play a meaningful role here. And I think that's one of the other reasons when, when I mentioned that I thought that the Mets had a pretty good, that the 60-game scenario works very well for them is because of the depth they have offensively. And with the DH, it allows you to play Cespedes. Now, you could play him in the field sometimes, too, if he's available. But look at it this way. If he's just going to be a guy that, that all he's got to do is come up and hit, I mean, listen, that's pretty good, too, right? I mean, you'll take that. You, you will take if he's able to just give you games in that situation. If he's able to add length to your lineup. If he's able to, uh, give you protection for Pete Alonso, that's a really, really good thing. Uh, Anthony DeComo, who does a great job covering the Mets for MLB, also an SNY contributor, had another couple of folks that I had forgotten about. How about Dominic Smith? Dominic Smith, a left-hand bat in the lineup, who you can have as a DH, or if you want, you could play him at first and have Alonzo with the DH. So you've got some options there. Also, there's J.D. Davis, who's who's been able to – he's a better offensive guy than the defensive guy, right? So these are other options that I believe also tilt the pendulum towards the Mets here. Once again – I'm not saying the Mets are better than the Yankees. That's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying is that for this 60-game stretch, I believe that it really helps the Mets more than the Yankees because of the deficiencies that the Mets have in their starting rotation because of no Noah Syndergaard and the concern that you have about the bullpen. I believe that offensively they'll be able to get into their opponent's bullpen and do some damage. And so that's why I think it gives the Mets a, a, a pretty good, a pretty good shot here with these, uh, 60, the 60 game schedule. Once again, you know that the Mets are playing all the East teams, Northeast teams. So they've got, they've got the Marlins and they've got, uh, they've got the Baltimore Orioles and they got Tampa Bay and they've got the Yankees and they've got Baltimore. So they've got, listen, they've got some, some tough teams, clearly, but, Here's the positive thing. There's not a lot of travel for them. And if they can find a way to get that bullpen humming, 
they'll be in good shape. That's the thing that I'm looking forward to. Now, when you look at the Yankees, you know their bullpen's humming. <laughs> bullpen is set. It's in good shape. All right? They have depth. If anything, somehow, and, and once again, you're hoping that nothing happens COVID-wise at all. That's what you're, you're hoping that you can go through this pure, no issues. If anything, a lot of the depth that the Yankees have, you're not going to see a lot of it because when you starting in, in with the big time players that they have and the guys who are there depending on to produce, those guys are going to play. So a lot of the guys who you might want to see get an opportunity, the guys who did so well last season when the injuries took over, and just wore down that Yankee lineup, up and down the lineup, be it pitching, be it outfield, infield, catcher, whatever it was. You didn't have that. You're not, you're not going to need them potentially, potentially this season because it's not like Aaron Boone's going to be resting guys. <laughs> All right. It's not going to be resting guys every third day. Because you want to get your players in the rhythm. You want to get them as many at-bats as possible so that they feel comfortable. You want them to perform well. You want them to be on top of their game. That's what you expect. So the more at-bats they get, the better they'll be when you get to that postseason. Because normally, what do they always tell you? You want to get as many at-bats in there so that you can be ready for the postseason. And that's obviously what you want. That's what you're looking for. And so for 60 games, which is normally what? From the middle of August to the end of September, right? I mean, you know, it's close. Like after the All-Star game into the, into the end of the season, that's what you're looking at. And this season, what? They want the season to end September 27th. So at this point, you're really, really trying to get everything working. Of course, I'm not saying that he's not going to give anybody a day off. That's not what I mean. But clearly they will give, he will give some a day off, but it's not going to be the same scenario as what it would be if there was a 162 game season. Okay. Clearly because you got that small sprint. Now on the Mets side, this is going to be interesting to see, you know, what type of team is this going to be? You know, that top four or five in the lineup is going to be really good. And, and if, McNeil is can be as good as he was last year or the past couple of years that we've seen him, and he's going to be able to get on base. There's always going to be people on base when you get to the top of your lineup, and that's a good thing. Defensively, I still got some concerns as a Met fan. Starting pitching, as I mentioned, I still got a couple of concerns. Bullpen, I got some concerns, but I still believe offensively this team will do enough that they can spell the pitchers, support them. I'm not worried about the Grom. I'm, 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 whenever he's on the mound, I feel like it's a win. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Which local team does the 60 game schedule benefit the most? Is it the Mets? 
or is it the Yankees? We'll give you some early polling. A lot of people weighing in, too. It's interesting. But we'll give you some early poll numbers in a couple of minutes. Let's head back to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. August is in Smithtown. Hey, August, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Nice to talk to you. Same here, August. How are you? Good. We can't believe we're talking baseball. Fantastic. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, I was over. I was listening to you before talking about the uh, you know Mets maybe having a more of an advantage with the DH, but I, I just like our pitching staff and the way we hit. You know, with Matt mm-hmm. and Rom, and you know, of course, uh, uh, what's his name? It's got Tommy Chan, so he's not going to be hitting any home runs this year. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. uh, I think we got a good hitting. Uh, I like to see them. They're athletes. You know, they should play. You know, maybe I'm a traditionalist, but you know. No, I, no, I, I hear what you're saying, August. But I think for for this year and for this scenario, it really works to the Mets' advantage because if you can get anything out of Cespedes with the DH, August, it, it, you know, it, it helps you out here. Yeah, I know. I heard you with Davis in the lineup and Smith. Yeah, I, I, I get you. Yeah, because we do have uh, we have a lot of depth there, which is good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm also very excited about hockey because we got two teams in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, York, hockey is. You know? um, yeah, it's what, what what team do you lead lean towards more, Rangers or Islanders? I'm a Ranger. Are you? Yeah, so yeah. you're happy with your young guys, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great. We we have a good team in the uh, the goalie, the Jorkin, uh-huh. Igor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We got a good young team. So yeah, I'm very be... excited. I just, uh, you know, five games is a little bit nerve-wracking. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, listen, it gives them a chance to get their skates under them and, and to roll a little bit, and then, you know, they go right into the postseason. So, you yeah, know, that's... Yeah, just get them out there. You're right. Just get them out there. It would be great, you know. I mean, if Hank gets the first game, so be it. But uh, I'm kind of hoping the kid's going to get in there. Well, I think so. And, and that's going to be an interesting debate over there, August. Thanks for the phone call as to what do you do with uh, the king? Do you bring him in? Do you start him? Uh, or do you start your young goaltender who is really has been your number one goalie? Uh, so it, it will be interesting to see. I guess it also will depend on how good they look, you know, in the five games. Also in, in the uh, training that they have for the weeks leading up to the, to the NHL. Uh, beginning again, that's also going to be a key situation as well. So, you, look, you love the fact that you've got Lundqvist in goal because of his experience. He's been there. He knows how to perform. He knows how to prepare in these big game situations. But there's something to be said in my experience in covering sports when you talk to the young kids. And so often we say, well, you know, experience is, is great. And it is. And you know what it's like. It helps to know what it's like to be there. And it does. But sometimes for your young players, all they want to do, they just want to go out and play. You know, that's all they're thinking about. I just want to go and play. All right, we're just playing. Yeah, it's, it's like any other game. And here is the great equalizer here. And it's going to be in all the pro sports. And especially when we get to the postseason in the NBA. And in the NHL, when you're playing these postseason games and you don't have fans, how is that going to make the adjustment? How does that take the nervousness out of players, right? Normally it's, okay, there's going to be a big crowd. They're going to be angry. They're going to be feisty. They're going to be cursing at you and saying different things about you. And this is how you prepare for that. You tune them out. You do this. All the conversations that you've heard your professional athletes talk about on how they deal with crowd noise. Some hear it, some don't. 
Some some tell you they hear it, and some hear it and tell you they don't hear it. It, it depends on the personality. It depends on the confidence of individual athletes, how they deal with that. But now it's no crowd noise. So where it would be, and also in the NHL with the, with the hub, the two hub cities, it's no home, no home ice. So you've got a lot of things that you normally would be able to deal with that you normally are expecting that don't apply here. So it will be fascinating to see, uh, in the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, if you can bring forth the same level of intensity. And I'm not saying that they won't take it seriously because it is, it's still the postseason. It's still on the road to winning a championship to say that your team, you're part of the best in your particular sport to win it. So there's always going to be intensity. There's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be that, that yearning to win, to be the best that you can be. But it will be a little different where some players thrive on crowds. I mean, you look at Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller loved to be the bad guy. He loved to go into cities and have people boo his name and boo him. He loved it. That's what drove him to be as good as he was on the road when sometimes other players are not as good on the road as they are at home. So it will be interesting as we get closer to the postseason to see how that turns out. But And, of course, with baseball, you know, uh the crack of the bat. Everything's going to be real loud. And because of the situation that the players turned down, they won't be mic'd. So it, it is going to be uh, an adjustment, right? In, in the seeing these sports and watching these sports come back and there's no fans in the stands or in the arena. That's, that's going to be fascinating. Which local team does the 60 game schedule benefit the most? Is it the Mets or is it the Yankees? Well, just under 53% of you say the Mets. Just over 47% of you say the Yankees. And I think, in theory, why the Yankees are trailing right now is because when you look at the depth of that team in every position, that is really how you set up a team to go through the marathon of a Major League Baseball season. It is experience from learning and having to navigate through an injury-riddled season that you had to do last season. So I think from the Yankee standpoint, Brian Cashman and his staff, the way they built the team was the right way to build your team. You want to be strong in every position. You want to have depth at every position if you can afford it and if you can have it. And for them, what the biggest difference was them needing an ace. That the past couple of years, this team has been arguably an ace away from winning the World Series. They have been. Last year, if they had an ace... You don't think they would have beaten Houston? The fact that they had to go, their game plan was five innings, six innings starter, and bullpen every single night? Every game? The bullpen? Same guys? So that 
batters were able to tee off and watch and see what they throw and how it breaks and under normal situations. And, you know, listen, considering Houston's record and Boston's record for cheating in situations, they looked at it even better than other teams. But clearly, just think of that scenario, right? That's what you're doing. As you're looking at the same pitchers and you're looking at their stuff and you're able to time it, you're able to foul it off. And of course, the more they use, they're not going to have the same velocity every night. So clearly, without having an ace and relying on your guys because you had a deep bullpen and relying on them to get you through to get to your closer, Whereas if you had an ace, maybe you could have gotten a night off for maybe four of your relievers. Okay. And that, that would be huge. Your starter would keep you from loot, from using four different other pitchers. I mean, that would, that's tremendous. And so now that's what the Yankees went on and did when they signed Cole. And so when you look at them, for the long haul, okay, they built their team the right way. That's what you do to make sure that you are prepared, to make sure that you are ready for 162 games. And you still had issues because you were concerned about Paxson. And just because everybody's back doesn't mean that in the 60 games, there's not going to be some injuries either. So while we say that, as I mentioned earlier, you're – you're not going to see a lot of your guys if everything goes well. You won't. You'll see, you know, the, the stars who are ready to go. But if there are injuries, you have, you know, you've got the depth to fill in. And I think that's where the Mets and Yankees from that standpoint, and we could argue about the quality of depth and what those guys are able to produce. But you could say that both teams have pretty good depth in the field. It's the bullpen and the starters where they kind of separate. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Leon Rose. Nice job by Mike Green on the interview, by the way. He always does good work. No, Michael Wilde. Head back to the phones. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Trey. What's going on, Larry? Everything's good. What's happening? Um, first off, who's DJ tonight? Who's DJ tonight? That would be DJ JP. You know, like he in his bag tonight, right? Because like, what was that ten thirty? I think that was night shift playing Commodores. Yes. He ain't even old enough to know about that, so he's in his <laughs> bag tonight. You know what I'm saying? You know, Larry, Larry, Larry. Do you remember when the Commodores performed that live at the Motown Returns to the Apollo in '85? I know you remember. Yes. Yes. Larry. Yes. Was there a dry eye in the house when my man said, no. Larry, stop playing with me. No. I'm about no, to cue it, it up in a minute. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. No, it was trying not. trying to tell you. That it was not. one of the greatest tribute songs ever. Yes. Ever. Oh. Dan the Rosses wasn't bad either. No, no. It's re- that, that's, that's, yeah, you can't even hold it together with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hers wasn't bad we either. Ain't even that's when yep. you break down, man. Yeah. That's when you break down because she's talking to Marvin. Then. Exactly. She's she's talking That's to right. Marvin. You see That's what right. I'm saying? So That's yeah, right. Larry, this, the kids don't understand. They like who Marvin? What? Who Diana? What are you talking? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. 
that's another show for another day. It is another show for another day, and I'm telling you, but but that to be because I you know we were up there. I was up there a couple of times during the tapings of some of those performances mm. for uh, Motown mm. Returns to the Apollo, and you know it was it was just uh, the battle of the groups was was did it for me. Yeah, oh, Larry, Larry, oh, Larry. You know what? You're going to have to dedicate a Sunday morning show to talk about that, Larry. I'm yeah, you're right. I'm you're right. You're right. I have to. My, you ready to go to listen, work? Might have to play a little music, too, on Sunday morning. Might have to do a little Larry, music. Get, Larry, then get, get in your bag. There's time for you to get in your bag, then. I might have to go back. Might have to go back, let's, then. Let's get in touch with us. Get in touch with the up tops and see if we can make that happen, Larry. Yeah, that would right. be that, you that would, mental Sunday. Especially if they let you do it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is you ready to go sure. to work, my friend? Yes, indeed. So we're, we're, you know, Kyrie made a great point, and I'm going to acknowledge this before I talk about our hospital tonight. And, okay. you know, he was he wanted to shout out some of the hospitals in Florida who now yeah. are going back to work, Trey. And yes, the concern is uh, for them, you know, very quietly, we have forgotten. But remember, the NBA is down there, Okay. The NBA is down there. So, you know, the Nets are going to start down there. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams with their five games and they're getting ready for the playoffs and whatnot. So, you know, and even in the update, we were talking about how maybe they should consider <laughs> thinking about moving <laughs> from Florida. And I know they're not going to, but, you know, the folks, the hospitals in Florida are really going to have to, you know, get their PPE and stuff together again because it's going up. And, and it's scary to think they're going up. As far as locally, we want to shout out the Nassau University Medical Center over on Hempstead Turnpike in East Meadow, New Jersey, for the, in East Meadow, New York, rather, for the great work that they've done during the coronavirus and helping the folks in Long Island begin phase three today, Trey. Nail salons, spas were open. Restaurants open indoor, half, you know, 50% of capacity. So on Long Island, the folks like the, the nursing and, and doctor staff, medical staff at Nassau University Medical Center doing a great job leading to uh, being close to the new normal out here in Long Island. Well, I mean, I want to second that, Larry. I mean, you know, and what you said earlier about the hospitals in Orlando, crazy that he would uh, bring that up. That's why Kyrie, you know, great minds think alike, because my, my shout out is actually uh, the women's Florida um uh, women's in Orlando, Florida hospital. It's a, uh, they're doing a lot of great work out there. And again, Larry, there it's hot down there. And I ain't talking about the weather, you know, people are, people are taking some life risking chances. They are. And I mean, the thing that bothers me about it, that what I read uh, earlier in an article on one of their papers down there is that the, the, the group, the, there's so many elderly down there yeah, and people aren't wearing their masks. And I'm like, if you're not going to wear it for you, wear it for that elderly person. You know what I'm saying? Wear yeah. it for that person that, 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 you know, is probably scared to come out of their house, apartment, or wherever they live just to get groceries. You know, we kind of take that for granted because we're doing okay. You might be asymptomatic. You do not know. But when you're covering your mouth and your nose, you're, you're, you're creating those spit, what they call spittle. It doesn't come out. So you're not trying to affect anybody else. It's an airborne thing. It's going through the air, people. It shouldn't be that hard to to just wear a mask. Now, where I am on Monday, 
is going to be demanded through the county. Okay. On Monday, starting Monday. You know, mm-hmm. they're not playing no more because yeah. people are not taking it serious. It, it, it had to come to people getting sick in grocery stores. The grocery store workers, our frontline workers, mm-hmm. who are grocery store workers, they're getting sick too. Yeah. And they're taking it home to their families, and they're mm. spreading it around. We've got to slow this spread, people. This is it's getting bad again, and the weather's getting hot, and people are just taking more risks. And I just can't understand why, Larry. It's, it's, it's bothersome. It really is. And every day we do this. Every day we waste two to three minutes talking about people just doing a small thing, and that's being responsible. You know what I mean? And, that's, yeah. and it, it's, it's pathetic. It really is. It's, it's going from, you know, sad to mad for me. It really is. You know, it's it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know what else to say, Larry. It's just it's maddening that people don't want to do the right thing so we can get rid of this stuff because we're not going to have a vaccine to the end of the year, top of the year, at the early. And and even then, Trey, to be honest, are you really running to take that vaccine? I mean, when you know how many people are, you know, normally testing is years. Thank you. Come on, Larry. This ain't like polio, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns right now, Larry. And and I mean, if you could just take the small precautions. We could probably do some things that will slow this thing up. But if Absolutely. you want to keep taking these chances, man, we're going to be hurt. And by the by the end of October, they're talking about 180,000 people in graves. Mm. That's insane, Larry. That, that's is. insane. That's insane. So, I don't know. Um, World Wide West. That's it. I like it. I like it. I ain't gonna lie to you. You know what I'm saying. I, I like it. Um, I like that it's a it's a foundational piece. We've been building this thing with toothpicks. We've been trying to build a condo on toothpicks for how many years, Larry? <laughs> At least now we're getting some foundational pieces that we can build around. And I'm not talking about basketball players. I'm no. talking about the upper. As remember, I told you, Larry, they need to take everybody outside. Mm-hmm. Everybody, get your stuff. Get your Nick mug. Get your Nick hat. And everybody that's been here. Thank you for your services, and I wish you the best in all your future endeavors. You got to go. You got it, and, and that's what we're doing now. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing now. We're getting all of that old stuff out of there, and we're getting a new energy. And now we're getting in people that can actually help us. I'm not saying go get free agency because you know I don't do that work. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. I'm talking about people that have foundational that that have success. In, in building players that have success in relationship with players, and they are now going to be in our locker room, Larry. That's right. going to weigh something. I don't care if the big free agents don't want to come. It's about those kids. We're trying to build up a team here. I really don't. I really don't want to swing that way, Larry, and get into the whole, you know, uh, that 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 quick fix thing. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Thibodeau is. I have no yeah. disrespect to him. But that's a that's a quick fix coach with a with a veteran team. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's not going to work with that's not going to work with uh, kids. They don't mm-hmm. like getting yelled at no more, Larry. They don't like nope. it. Nope. You know, and they will revolt against him, and then he'll be out, and then we'll be in the same situation again. Now I understand everybody wants Van Gundy, everybody wants MJ, Mark Jackson. He, they're not coming because I don't even hear their name. Nope. The only time I hear their name is on your show and on Allen's show. I don't even mm-hmm. hear their names no more. Yeah, it's true. So that's not True. something that we can look forward to, man. Look forward to Kenny Atkinson, probably. I'm telling you, the way it's leaning, I, I hope Allen Hahn gets his man. But the, with the signing of World Wide West, it's kind of looking like Thibodeau. I don't understand. Like, you see what I'm saying? I don't understand mm-hmm. the dichotomy between the two. I would like to know more in his plans and what he's trying to do. But I like Leon Rose. I like what he's doing right now. We can't keep building this house on toothpicks. We got to get some foundational studs and we got to get some, some, some big two by fours, build it right, put the concrete and do it the right way and mm-hmm. build it through the draft. That's what, that's the only way that that's how you win. 
And it, it's about, it's about doing it with the youth. And as they grow, then you add pieces, veteran leadership to help them grow to the next step. Absolutely. And that's what teams do. Trey, thanks for the phone call. That's how you get better. That's how you build championships. And if you have a young coach, then they all kind of grow together, right? So they all learn together. They grow together. And hopefully when that team is ready to win, that coach has the experience now to take them to the next level. I do know very often that you then bring in a veteran coach sometimes because that young coach hasn't gotten them or he's taken them as far as he can take them. But at this point, I, you know, you like what you see as far as front office situations. You do. And listen, William Wesley is a guy who's well-connected. At least you're looking at basketball people at the Garden in various places. Basketball people who have been successful in what they've done in previous franchises. That's a good start. Okay. On paper, the real proof will be when we see the type of players they get in the draft and what happens on the court. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.